All right. And could you tell me your name and date of birth? Kathleen Petrie, 31570. All right. This is your first dose. Yep. And、uh, have you had COVID 19 in the past 20 days? No. Hello there, this is Petri Dish producer Dominic Anthony Walsh, and today we're doing something a little bit different. I'm in the host chair for this one. Have you had、um, uh, an allergic reaction to vaccination in the past? No. Do you have any、uh, food or drug allergies? No.、Uh, Bonnie Petri, as you can hear, is a little、right. busy. And、uh, do you have any planned vaccinations in the next 14 days? No. I met up with Bonnie on the northwest side of San Antonio in an area known as the Medical Center, a sprawling complex of hospitals and specialty care clinics and biomedical research buildings, and the UT Health Nursing School, which looks a little different right now. A long line of people stretches through several hallways. This is a vaccine distribution hub serving the even longer line of patients in the local Phase 1B group. On Friday, February 12th, around 3 p.m., Bonnie Petrie reached the front of that line.、No. Are you pregnant or do you plan to become pregnant? No. Okay. And、uh, left arm? Sure. Hit me, brother. All right. Hold it. Okay, that wasn't bad. That wasn't bad. So, right after Bonnie got her first dose of the COVID 19 Pfizer vaccine, we walked over to what's known as the adverse reaction room, basically a monitoring area. We're going to be in this room for 15 minutes unless I told you 30. Okay. okay for 15 minutes, please set your clock. Okay. okay. And then whenever you go in there, all the seats are clean. So, if you'd like to just sit wherever you'd like、okay. to sit, that's fine. Okay.、Wonderful. And I would also. We have a few minutes to kill, so we chatted about what lies ahead. So, so the goal,、uh, President Biden's goal is what, 300 million by this summer? That's, that's it. That's endgame. If we get 300 million people vaccinated, we're good. Assuming the strains. That's me asking a muffled question about the new variants of COVID 19, which are more transmissible and which at least some vaccines aren't as effective against. I mean, that's always going to be you know, in play that it could mutate in a way that. Would evade the vaccines. I mean, that's what the flu does every year, right? Yeah, yeah. so、um, these are different kinds of vaccines. We've got so many different kinds of vaccines that we're using,、um, and they say they know how to reasonably quickly, and people think quickly is like six days. No, not that quickly,、uh, but quickly enough make boosters that right, right. recognize if we could just get ahead of it. But that's the thing, and that's why I keep saying in shows it's a race. We want to, we've been behind this virus since the beginning. And we're still behind, but we're starting to catch up. We don't need for it to sprint ahead of us again before we've caught up with vaccines. We want as many people vaccinated as、yeah. possible so that if there's some sort of evolution in the virus that evades a vaccine, then we fall behind again. And then what, we、right. got an extra year? No. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, You also, I mean, you also mentioned, though, that like, once we get to 300 million, that's endgame. But、mm-hmm. at this point, COVID 19, I mean, do we know if it's going to be seasonal or not? Is there enough time? No, no, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. no, no, nobody knows. No. Nobody knows? I mean, there's no evidence it will be, though.、Mm. I mean, it's going to be endemic in the population for sure. I think that almost everybody agrees on that, that it's always going to be around. But if we can get ahead of it,、um, you know, herd immunity, then we don't have to. Then it's just something where there's a few cases here, a few cases there, and we can handle that.、Yeah. That doesn't overwhelm your emergency room, right?、Uh, 
um, that doesn't collapse your healthcare system. That doesn't kill 4,000 people a day. Um, so we'll always have to deal with this. From Texas Public Radio and the Texas Newsroom, this is a Petri Dish Side Dish. I'm Dominic Anthony Walsh, and today we follow Bonnie Petrie as she receives her COVID-19 vaccine. We'll also meet the UT health official in charge of this distribution hub to find out what's working and what could work better. So right now, more than 50 million people in the U.S. have received at least one dose of the COVID-19 vaccine, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. That's more than 10% of the population, but far short of where the country needs to be to reach herd immunity. And there are still open questions about how these variants will play into the equation. With about 1.5 million people getting vaccinated each day, the end game Bonnie mentioned is certainly within sight. But it's already taken a massive effort to get here. Bonnie? Yeah. Bonnie, I'm oh my God, I recognize your voice. And Dr. Cindy Sikora, a vice dean at UT Nursing School, knows all about that massive effort. Sikora has actually been a guest on the show before, but had never met Bonnie in person. Oh, I didn't know you were coming. You should have texted me. I, I should have. I didn't know you were here, though. I didn't no, know you'd be here. Right now, she's running this distribution site, which has already put at least one dose of the COVID vaccine in more than 40,000 arms. Yeah, this is where I live these days. All right, so tell me, what, what is this? What are, we, what are we seeing here? So you're in the School of Nursing building, and this was formerly classroom space. And now it is vaccination space. And we went from vaccinating just healthcare providers, which is a very healthy, buoyant population, to now vaccinating 1B folks. And so we have a lot more uh, disability and kind of difficulty with ambulation and so forth. It's an older population, so it really you know, changed dramatically from when we first started doing this. You know, we started in December and it was 800 patients, but, you know, we'd be finished in five hours because everybody was, you know, just, it was easy to move through. And we also were able to register them because they were our patient, our, you know, our employees. Mm -hmm. So we were able to get all of that out. So it was a really quick process. But then when we went to the patient population, it's kind of changed in terms of, you know, people waiting in line. And right. Well, 1B in San Antonio has a million people in it. Right. Let's pause here for a second, because like Bonnie just said, a million people in San Antonio are in the 1B category. Bonnie got her shot under 1B. So far, Bear County data show about 200,000 residents have gotten at least one shot. And again, this site has already distributed more than 40,000. We've done a lot of vaccines. <laughs> yeah, so, so tell me what 1B is. So 1B is anyone over the age of 65 or has underlying health conditions. Diabetes, type 2, interestingly enough, they don't put type 1 on the, um, on the list. Heart disease, stroke, uh, high blood pressure, uh, what else? You know, any liver issues, renal issues, any health problems really are going to put you into a 1B group. And some of the patients that we've had have been very, very sick. You know, in most cancer... Mm -hmm. um, and most have been, you know, 
this has been a really buoyant group today. I will tell you that. I mean, these people are right, hopping because in I'm one B. Yeah, but, you know, but people are hopping in and out. I'm a one B also. Yeah. Um, but I was I got it because you know I was here and it was you're like a that. You know, and you're it's our vaccine. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> and sure. I put it together, so we're all helped <laughs> put it together. I was like, at least I deserve to be vaccinated. Right. Right. So, according to Cindy Sakura, UT Health has been sending out emails inviting 1B patients to sign up for a vaccine. And for the UT Health system, that group includes about 100,000 people. I think we only have a 10% response rate, which is 10,000 people. So, we could do a whole lot better than that. Why would you not come? You know, there's vaccine resistance everywhere. I mean, people are, you know, there's a lot of vaccine resistance. You know, people are afraid. Um, I think communities of color are more afraid than other communities, which is a problem, and because very often those are the higher risk populations. So it's unfortunate. Now, have we not invited the Hispanic population out? I don't know. So that's what we need to be looking at right. moving this is forward. Right, a very white population that I've seen today. Yeah, a lot of faces so, that look like mine. Yeah, so I'm just, um, I'm cons- that, you know, that's one of the concerns that we all have here at UT. Sure. You know, making sure that we're serving the entire population of San Antonio and not, you know, pockets of population. What is it? I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just curious. In, in terms of, like, to get signed up, I imagine, you, do you already have to be a patient? What does it take to, yeah, so, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there are existing barriers to access, right? Just in, ter- just in terms of the, the way the healthcare system is set up. And not only that, I mean, you know, how many people have no transportation? I mean, this is not an easy place to get to. Right. If you live all the way on the east side or all the way on the south side, it's sure, a very sure. difficult trip. So that's another issue, of course, with, um, you know, access and care. I mean, that's the issue with access. Unequal access has been a through line of this pandemic in San Antonio and across the country. So register for the vaccine at UT Health. You don't need insurance, but you do need a local primary care doctor or a reference from another primary care doctor. And across the board, registration for a vaccine generally requires internet access and the ability to navigate those websites, which can be confusing. The same access issues we saw early in the pandemic are still alive and well today. So Cindy Sakura told us about a few different things UT Health is doing to tackle this access issue. Things like creating heat maps that show where the most underserved communities are, and strategizing how to deploy mobile vaccination units. But, we, you know, we, we've done a lot of work. You know, vaccine is new, right? Vaccine has only been around now for two months. And we've been testing now since March 25th, 2020. I know the date well because it was the day we did our first test here. You know, and that doesn't require, none of this requires insurance, right? None of it requires insurance. So we've taken that piece out of the access. Now the access is how do we get to the people that need it the most? Right, they can't because get I'm to in us. the system right. because I have insurance and that's why I have a doctor here. Right. <laughs> Otherwise, I wouldn't have a doctor here. So I would probably not have what? a doctor we're at work, all. We're working on it. I promise we're working on it. Oh, I know you it. are. I and, know you um, are. But it's interesting to, to, to sort of tease out things that you don't think about that are, you know, challenges well, for people. Well, things that people, you know, maybe that have insurance and, you know, have a full-time job and, you know, make decent money, don't have to think about. Yeah, but not I think everybody's like a lot that. of this stuff is stuff that a lot of people have to think about, right. you know. I mean, what, you know, what do we do with the bed-bound patients? Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because 
Everybody says, well, bring them out to the mobile unit. Bring them out to the mobile unit. They're bed, that's the point. They're bed bound. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. You can't go out to a mobile unit if you're bed bound. No. So, yeah, I mean, and the other piece of it is like, I, I imagine some people might say, oh, well, if they're bed bound, they're not going out. But it's if they're bed bound, they have people who are coming in who are going out, right? Bingo, bingo, bingo. You got it. So that's one of the, that was exactly the discussion we had this morning was, so they're bed bound and they're not going anywhere, but all the people around them are. So they're expo- So they do have an exposure. Exposure or a potential a high exposure, a very potential because for, they can't isolate because exactly. they're headbound. <laughs> so you they know, can't do things for themselves. You know, it goes in circles. But we've learned, and we keep learning with this. Uh, I think the, the pandemic itself. When I think about this whole thing, this whole vaccine site, and I think of where it came from, on. Uh, December 15th and where it is now and how, you know, on December 15th we did 500 and two days ago we did 1796. So, and the reason that we're able to do that is not because we really have more people in that room, it's because we've learned how to be slick. And that's really the piece that, you know, is has become really important over the past two months is how do we make ourselves really slick and make this process slick. So part of it is having lots of of people registering, you know, and part of it is having lots of people giving directions and part of it is making sure we have enough people in the parking lot, you know, to direct folks around. What do you need that you don't have? Sleep. (laughs) Knee knee surgery. (laughs) Right, right. Okay. What is this clinic? What would make this clinic work better? Vaccine, probably doses. No, we have plenty of doses. Okay. Um, I, I, UT is has given us every single thing we need. There is nothing UT has not given me to run this clinic. Nothing. How about more than ten percent of your MyJAR patients? And if you didn't catch that, Bonnie was asking about that response rate we mentioned. Remember, only 10% of the 100,000 patient pool that UT Health has reached out to have actually signed up. I, I wish, so personally, I just wish I could go out on the street and just knock people over and give them vaccines. It's, and which, it's, it's, sometimes we did because if we had extra <laughs> vaccine, and we don't do it anymore. <laughs> But it's in, a New York way of putting it, in right? The, in the beginning, when we didn't know how to count the Pfizer vaccine, we had extra at the end of the day, which we don't anymore. <laughs> but we did, and we we would literally go outside and find people to take vaccine. But we don't do that anymore. I've heard that people all over the country are hanging out places where people so have So look vaccine. at, you know, you get to the end of the day, and yeah. like it's taken us time to learn this vaccine because... You have to time the, the defrosting of it, and then you have to monitor when you're giving it. So, you know, you have vaccine that expires at 1 o'clock, you have vaccine that expires at 3 o'clock, you have vaccine that expires at 5 o'clock, you have vaccine that expires at 8 o'clock. And we have had to come up with a system, and it's not all me, God knows. I have wonderful nurses in there that have come up with systems to keep it straight when the vaccine is going to expire. because. You get to six o'clock and you have a hundred doses and you don't have a hundred people, you go into a state of panic. I mean, this is liquid gold. You're not going to lose this. And, and it was funny because I saw something in, in New York during the, the snowstorm and they had a hundred doses and they stopped people in the street. And they were right, 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 right. Yeah. And I, un- I completely understand the need to that do that. There was that story of the, the health workers that had the, they got stuck in a snowstorm yes. and they had the doses in their cars yes. and they started yes, vaccinating other people who were stuck. Yes, and I... I <laughs> It was so funny because I got goosebumps. I was like, 
I would do exactly that. And, and we have... But also imagine a person just running up to your car with a syringe saying, hey, let me put this in your arm. <laughs> I guess it'd be pretty funny, but I mean, you know, you show your ID, you show the vial, you show the syringe. I mean, right, right, there are ways around it. <laughs> So here we are, a year into some of the most grim reporting we've ever done. Joking about doctors running around in a snowstorm, menacing the citizens of New York with syringes full of, as Cindy Sikora puts it, liquid gold. So again, the vaccine hasn't been distributed widely enough to return to normal, but it's definitely already saving lives and keeping people healthy. That much is evident right here at UT Health. We haven't had a day other than a Sunday without doing COVID testing since last March 25th. Not one day. And today, we did no COVID tests. What does that mean? That means that no one on campus thinks that they have COVID. In one year, that hasn't happened. Now that's related to the vaccine because most of our campus has been vaccinated. So that's cool. How do you feel when you hear that? Oh my God, I'm ecstatic. We haven't had, we haven't had a COVID positive all week. Actually, it, we're going into our second weeks. And we have, and today we didn't do any tests. That's amazing, that's, that's amazing. That's truly, since March 25th, 2020. It makes me want to cry. Mm-hmm. Me too. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, making my appointment last night and con- contemplating the beginning of the end of this and all we've lost. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. So in the pandemic of 1918, we lost about 650,000 lives. And this one, we've already lost, what, almost 450. So yeah. this is going to be way worse than that. And here we have all this science, which is really an atrocity. What do you want people to know? Wear masks, socially distance, wash your hands, and take this seriously. And if you can, and when you can, get vaccinated. So one tradition we have here at Petri Dish is for Bonnie to close each show with some final thoughts. Here's Bonnie. Friday morning, February 12th, I got up and did the same thing I've done practically every morning since I started working from home nearly a year ago. I started the coffee. I said good morning to my menagerie of pets, including my pandemic kittens. Hello, Faith. Who are nearly a year old now. Hello, Kato. I took the pills I take every morning to stay, you know alive, (laughs) hydrocortisone to replace what my body doesn't make on its own, and a couple of other medications. Let mama take her morning medicines. A normal pandemic morning on the surface. But this day is definitely different. Today, I'm getting my first dose of the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine against the COVID virus, an mRNA vaccine. It's my first COVID shot, and it's my first mRNA vaccine because that's a brand new type of vaccine. And it's the beginning of the end of pandemic isolation for me. 
something I was thinking about when I checked in on my daughter that morning in her 10th grade class. Oh, hi. Hi. Which, of course, is in her bedroom where she's been learning since March of last year. How's class going? Um, well, we're about to do an essay thing yeah. for history. What are you studying right now in history? Uh, Native Americans. That's neat, huh? Yeah, we just started our unit on Native Americans, so. Cool. I told her I was about to go get my vaccine. And we could have life again. Well, maybe. A little bit. A little bit, yeah. Of course, like usual, my pandemic teen is more (laughs) circumspect than I am, and she's also correct. I love you, Susan. This may be the beginning of the end of pandemic isolation for my family. There may be light at the end of this tunnel, but we're still in the tunnel. The road ahead is not yet smooth. And there are millions of families behind mine in the tunnel. Families that are not yet seeing light. They're just seeing shadows cast by my family because we're between them and the light. I thought about them as I drove to my appointment, reflecting on how excited I was to have gotten an appointment at all. So I was, you know, excited, but also concerned for the other million people in San Antonio who are 1B and may be struggling to access the vaccine. Still though, (laughs) still though, I went to my chart as the email suggested I do. I logged in and I, I started to get emotional as I selected an appointment time. And then I selected it and it was scheduled and I started to cry. some of the tears were relief. Maybe that's even the biggest reason, but um, I'm going to get a little misty now as I drive to the appointment. Um, But there was also this, this feeling about after almost a year of almost complete isolation, um, this this might be the beginning of the end of that pandemic isolation. I was having a lot of conflicting emotions on that drive. Relief and excitement, yes, but also there were moments of grief for the hundreds of thousands we've lost. Worry for those who should have access to this vaccine but face huge barriers to getting it. And frustration for those who are eligible for the vaccine And it's free, but they haven't gotten it yet. A recent survey from the Kaiser Family Foundation found that 31% of those surveyed planned to wait and see before getting the vaccine. So they'll wait until it's been available for a while to see how it's working for other people before getting vaccinated themselves. That might give us some insight into why some of those UT Health San Antonio's reached out to have not yet gotten their shot, but not all, not by a long shot. For me, responding to an email and making an appointment on my chart seems like the simplest thing in the world. But I have the internet. I have an email address. I use email for everything. I visit my chart on the regular and know how to use it. 
I'm an internet-savvy medical reporter, and this setup was perfect for me. I also may be an outlier. What if you don't have the internet, or you don't use email for much? What if you've never been to a site like PyChart, and you have no idea how to navigate it? What if you have a primary care doctor who is not affiliated with a hub that provides vaccines, and you don't know that you can ask, and should ask, for a referral so you can make an appointment? What if you don't have a primary care doctor? What if you don't have a way to get to the vaccine clinic? How do we reach into the populations that are eager to get the vaccine but don't know how to or can't access it? These are the questions we need to answer. We're still early in this effort, and everyone is learning as they go. My vaccine experience was as smooth as it could be. Now, how do we make sure it works that way for everyone? This Petri dish side dish was produced by Dominic Anthony Walsh, who I would like to thank very much for coming with me as I got my vaccine. Thank you. Our executive producer is Fernanda Camarena. Our sound designer and music, it's by Jacob Rosati. TPR's news director is Dan Katz. Thanks to special contributor Mark Mehmet. Petri Dish is a production of Texas Public Radio and the Texas Newsroom, a collaboration between public radio stations across the state and NPR. Talk to you soon. <laughs>